0: And then you retire in, what, 40 years on half as much money as you made when you were working. And that math didn't make sense to me. So I decided to try it a different way.
1: So I've been learning from my parents about business and investing since I was born. They were taking me to their investment meetings in a baby carrier.
0: My goal is to get on a private airplane that I paid cash for and fly home. So figure out what you want.
1: People take these courses and then just don't do anything with them. That's not self-help, that's shelf-help.
0: Everything our family teaches is based on financial freedom. When you become truly financially free, only then will you have real-time freedom.
2: Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Balu, And boy, do we have a pair of exciting guests lined up for you today. Today's guests are a father and son duo. These guys are amazing. I know the father better than the son. I'm about to get to know the son better. But I'll tell you, the father is a man with energy, a man with heart, and a man who has built financial freedom for himself and his family and decided to teach his young son how he could start doing the same before he was even a teenager. Their story is fascinating. Their story is incredible. And their story is going to inspire you and give you some tips and strategies that you can use to build your own success. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the two the only, the legendary Eric and Devin
0: Woolwind, Welcome to the show, gents. Thank you so much, Nikki. I love your energy. We're so excited to be here. Just thanks a lot for the opportunity.
2: God bless you both. Thanks for coming here. So gents, tell me your story. Folks want to know, how'd you get to be to where you are today?
0: Everybody takes a circular or a very winding path to where they go. I started out thinking I was going to be a doctor or a dentist like my father. Got my college degree, and next thing I know, I'm sleeping on a mattress on a warehouse floor. I lose three jobs in two years and decided there has got to be something better than working for a living. And I was brought up the same way as a lot of middle class people work hard. And then you retire in, what, 40 years on half as much money as you made when you were working. And that math didn't make sense to me. So I decided to try it a different way. It was a little bit rocky at the beginning, but we ended up buying our first house after reading a handful of books and listened to some CDs and cassettes then. Now we listen to podcasts. And then we moved on and had 20 properties or 20 units. And the first two years, I was financially free at 30. And that's when life really took off. Since then, I have repositioned more than a thousand units. We still control many hundreds of them. And I taught both of my kids how to buy real estate. Devin and his little brother, Ethan, both bought their first property without any of my money or credit when they were just seven years old. So ending there, Devin, tell them, what is it that you do and how did you get started?
1: So I've been learning from my parents about business and investing since I was born heck, they were taking me to their investment meetings in a baby carrier. So it was just natural that I just or that I grew an interest in investing and I wanted to learn more about investing. And then when I was five years old, I decided, hey, I'd like to start investing. So I went to my dad and asked him, what can I invest in? And he told me, do you want to say your part?
0: Well, you should invest in what you know. That's what I tell everybody. And that will be good advice for all your audience and for my five-year-old.
1: And I replied with, but the only thing I really know is Legos. So find a way to make money with Legos. And so that's what I did. I found a way. I was creative. I Then I took action, went out, and did it. And of course, I made a bunch of mistakes. I was five years old, but I learned from all those, which probably has saved me many thousands of dollars in my future investments. Then
0: to his father's shock, he actually within two days, and I didn't even know how until my wife wrote about it in our book, how he came up with this idea sitting on the couch of how he could make money with Legos. I just thought, wow, that's amazing. So then what'd you do, Devin?
1: So then I learned more over the next couple of years. And then a couple of years later, I bought my first house at seven years old, uh, which you just mentioned a minute ago, which once again was a massive. It's very different than what most people do, but it was just natural for me because I had grown up around this. I had learned about it.
0: All right. So break that down. Why is it natural for you to buy a house? Forget the idea that you're seven. But why do you think it's just normal to go out and buy a house at dinner?
1: Because that's what you do. That's what I've seen you do. Uh, There's a a joke I hear many people that talk to you say. Go out to lunch or dinner with Eric and you're likely to end up with another house.
0: So that's our life. That's what we've created uh, in the last 20 years. Came a long way from the warehouse. All right. So, Devin. Walk
1: me through buying that first house. The whole process, A to to (laughs) Z. So I first of all decided I wanted to start buying real estate. Then my dad said, well, first you need to set up an LLC because nobody should buy a house in their own name. So that's why I did. And what do you name a company when you're seven years old? Well, Awesome Rentals. Nice.
0: And that is good advice for everyone out there. First off, anybody saying, oh, well, a seven-year-old can't buy property. Let me ask you, where do you put your birth date on the deed? And if you're putting the deed into an LLC that you own, does it matter? The LLC is only a couple of days or a month old when you first started. And you can buy a property as soon as it's active with the state. And the same thing goes in virtually every country. You just have slightly different names.
2: So LLC in in the U.S., I suppose in Canada, it'd be some sort of uh, of, uh, Canada or Ontario corporation that you'd you'd get going. But okay. So So that's how you get started.
0: Now we don't have to worry about the age because it's a company buying it. We just have to make sure that he can sign the paperwork and get it notarized and of course, there's that whole lending problem. It's not like he's going to a bank to get a loan. So, what'd you do? Did you call up dad and say, hey, dad, can I get many thousands of dollars to buy this house?
1: No, because I knew you weren't going to give me that. Uh, another thing, you always raised me that I never got an allowance. I had to earn whatever money I wanted to spend. But anyway, going back to the house, uh, so I found a flipper uh somebody who is who was working flipping a house and they had gotten a loan with with a balloon on it because they just planned on buying it fixing it up and selling it very quickly and their loan was about to be called due or they were about to have to pay all the money they owed back to the bank or whoever they had gotten a loan from so they wanted to sell very quickly make a smaller profit and be done that's how or that's why they were selling a house that I thought was worth 80000 for only $50,000. And that massive gap or what would give me a lot of equity is how I got a small uh, a family office, technically a hedge fund to loan money on this first deal.
0: So what you're saying is you found somebody that had a problem. They had a balloon on their loan not unlike a lot of the commercial people out there today and if you could come up with money you could buy this dramatically undervalued. they still made some profit even though it wasn't as much as they wanted and you closed quickly because you had private money that could come in and close within a week or two so they didn't have to pay the extra fees to extend or get a new loan so you provided them value and they gave you the equity when you bought the house and that's how you found someone to loan you money with how much money did you put down on that one?
1: That one I had, I personally had to bring $300 for the down payment and then that'll be paid off. uh, It should be paid off this year while I'm 16 years old because well, I just got a new truck uh, and we plan this out because I'm going to want a vehicle around when I turn 16. That one, I believe, was your idea. Because I wasn't thinking about that as much at the time.
0: So, so
1: I
2: never dollar planned. down
0: payment? 300 bucks. That's not the whole story. I owned part of the company, which he has since bought me out at fair market value, by the way. So, I told him... I just made up a number, $1,000, because 100 seemed really cheesy, and 10000 was out of the question for a seven-year-old, but he needed to work hard enough and have skin in the game, so I started out owning 70% of his first company. Since then, he has bought, and now he owns 90%. I still own 10. For the rare occasions that you needed someone over 18 to sign a piece of paper, I'm there, and... I told him that, you know, as soon as you're 18, you can buy me out or leave me on until you're married or have someone else because there's a lot better asset protection if you have a multi member company than if it's just one person.
2: So you came in as a partner 70%. Devin, you bought him out to the tune of 90%. Who did you get the money from? Who loaned you the money to? To buy that first house.
0: That was a small family office. So, obviously, I have connections with many people in the real estate world. And some of them, Devin's got loans from people that have never loaned me money before. And he negotiates it, he sets it up, he does all the calls, he signs the paperwork. Really, the only reason I'm there is to drive him to closing because he still doesn't have a driver's license but he should be getting that next week. Okay. So, yeah, we just said in the office
2: just for the benefit of people listening. I know to you, these terms, you understand what they mean, but this is just a little bit like Ron DeSantis. OK, Ron DeSantis thinks all of America knows who he is just because he's been a successful governor of Florida. No, they don't know who he is. You're going to have to go out there and properly introduce people to to who you are before you can get their attention. So what's a family office? Explain it to the folks, Devin.
1: So basically, a group of family members uh, all put their money together and then they loan it to people that are buying real estate. It's a lot of equity. So essentially, they either make money. From, the, from earning the interest, or they make money by getting the properties, which are worth a lot more than the loan. So The vast
0: majority of the stuff that I've bought in the last 20 years, wow, maybe all but one or two larger properties. I have used private money to buy it. It makes things go massively smoother at the closing. You can buy a lot faster, and if you can come in and close faster, then you're going to get far better deals. Because there are people out there that just want their money right now. They waited for somebody else to get a bank loan, and that loan died after a month or two months or three months. People were offering, making offers for full price and saying, oh, we're giving you everything you want. Well, no, not really, because you want me to sit on this house for four months while you get a loan from the USDA. Now, I don't know what you have in Canada, but I don't think the you know, food or drug organizations should have anything to do with business, let alone making loans on real estate. So rather than talking to a government agency or even a large commercial bank, we just find private people. And sometimes it's people like Nikki. They say, oh, yeah, we've got some money laying here and it's getting 0.1% interest, which now just went up to 5% interest in the bank. But what are you going to do? You're only going to get that for a year or so what if we can lock in and we will make a mortgage payment to you you get a first mortgage on a property for 60 70 cents on the dollar and we make monthly payments to you at say seven or eight percent it beats the heck out of what you're getting in the bank and we have always paid at least a few percent more than what they could get in the bank so this first one that financed devon it was just a group of people that had one person that was more knowledgeable in business and investing, and they kind of all pulled their money. They filled out the appropriate paperwork, have a lawyer do that for you. And then he made decisions and said, Oh, yeah, I don't actually care. I mean, yeah, I'd like it if you pay me back. But the best thing that can happen for me is you don't pay me back and sign the deed of that house over to me. And my hedge fund or family office, a small mixed of investors, gets a $30,000 bonus this year because we get all the equity in your property so it's not like they were betting on the child they were betting on the house and if the child made his payments which he has on a nine-year loan he's down to the last handful of payments it'll be paid off this year
2: so family office is a group of people that are family members and family
0: friends there's different – the U.S., the Securities and Exchange Commission defines things. Basically, you pay $10,000 to a lawyer. They write a book of all the ways you can lose your money, and everybody agrees that this is a risky investment and there's no security and blah, blah, blah. And that's the real short answer of how you can co funds. The vast majority of the time, we just talk to an individual person that has 20, dollars 50000 100000 and they will get a first mortgage. From our point of view, we never commingle funds. We never mix up your money with somebody else's. If two people loan on a house to keep it legal and right, ethically and morally, if you loan money, we record a first mortgage for you. And then if somebody else comes in, they know about your first mortgage. And they know they're getting a second mortgage and we will record another piece of paper with the county auditor called a mortgage that says you have the right to this house. And then they call you before we can sell it or do anything else to say, all right, has Devin paid you off or his company? Has it paid you off? And if not, what do they owe you? Because we're taking that out of the sale proceeds.
2: Okay, so that's how you bought your first house at the age of seven that's pretty crazy and awesome. So I guess there's a couple of lessons I'm getting out of this is number one is, um, parents, what are you teaching your kids? What are you getting them to do? Are you telling them to go out there and get a job just over broke, or are you showing them how to go out there and become an investor? I mean, Robert Kiyosaki wrote this book, 25 years ago, rich dad, poor dad, right? And in it, he talks about the mentality of an employee versus the mentality of self-employed versus the mentality of business owner versus the mentality of investor. I look at myself, I've been a self-employed individual dabbling in business, but man, listening to you guys, it's like, okay, it's time for me to like think differently in a big way, not in a small way and, and, and bring my thinking into pure business owner thinking Rather than that of a consultant, which is what I've been essentially, that makes money in a business to be sure, but really it's more akin to employment income than, than investment income and business income. So kudos to this.
0: Your I beliefs. Fantastic. Your beliefs lead you to where you are. That's why I started not so much with what I did with my life, but what my beliefs were, what I was brought up. To believe the middle class idea of get good grades, get a good job, work hard, blah, 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 save money. Well, saving money in any industrial uh, world in any country on earth since 1971 has not been a good bet. No. Ever since the U.S. went off the
2: gold, standard. gold
0: system on August 15th of 71, Nixon shut the gold window and... That put every country on earth on a fiat money system, meaning the paper in your pocket you think is money isn't backed by anything. It's not backed by gold. It's not backed by assets. And I would just as soon get rid of those pieces of paper and have something with a real value like real estate, oil wells, gold, silver, heck, even crypto. At least it has some use and they can't. I'm talking Bitcoin only. They can't blindly print more of it every time two political parties pretend to argue, and then they go and do the same thing they have always done. And yeah, that goes for your country and my country and every other country on earth. They're pretty much all the same, except for the countries that have one political party that just tell you what's going to be done. And it is always self-serving for the leaders and never for us normal people.
1: Absolutely. So,
0: Devin... Where did you get your belief system? Not only from me, but I made you learn from the people that I learned from, correct? Absolutely.
1: What, what book
0: what did you have to read before? I think that's where you were going. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. So before I bought my first house, my uh, you told me I had to do two things. First, I had to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Great book. Uh, it's what I recommend to pretty much everybody that's looking to get started in business or investing like the first book you should read. So you, I mean, you did that, and you made me go to the Ohio real estate uh, convention, and then uh, so I could learn from a lot of the people there. Some of the same people you were learning from.
0: So you learned from twenty or thirty of the greatest real estate and business minds out there and we go to that virtually every year as a matter of fact you i managed to get you in when you were seven years old to the youth academy which was for how old then 14 to 25 year olds i think
1: i think it might have been 15 to 25.
0: and by the time you were 14 years old what were you doing at the national real estate summit
1: i was teaching the youth academy so i can i went there when i was seven. Uh, And then decided it was a little bit boring, and I went to go to the adult thing next year. And then when I was actually old enough to go to the Youth Academy, I went back and was teaching this time.
0: So him, his brother, and my wife, their mother, are the three lead instructors at the Youth Academy at the National Real Estate Summit. And what do you do while you're there? What game do you play?
1: Cash flow. Also made by Robert Kiyosaki.
0: Do you think that's an important part of your learning?
1: Absolutely. So
0: we, you learn by
1: doing, right? That's how a lot of people learn, including me. You have to actually do something to remember it.
0: And what's another way to do things? Do you go and network with people?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> how, often,
0: how often are we in conferences?
1: Uh. Every couple of weeks, it feels like.
0: So, we are constantly giving back. We're on a podcast or a radio show at least every week. And every no less than once a month, and frequently every couple of weeks, we are at another seminar or engagement. Frequently, now we're speaking, but we're also there as students for a lot of these. And what are some of the other tools and tricks you might tell somebody if they wanted to get started early?
1: The biggest things I tell people are be creative and take action. Because if you want to do things that most people don't do, you have to think of things outside of what most people think of. So be creative and then take action because if all you had to do was be creative, then every five-year-old would be a multimillionaire.
2: You know, this is a very uh, interesting conversation that you're having right now because many years ago, I was a fitness coach and I coached Robin Sharma. Robin is the uh, best-selling author of The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, The Leader Who Had No Title in the 5am Club, sold like 20 million copies of his books. and. I was his fitness coach, and one day he said, Nikki, I'm going to tell you something that's going to change your life if you take this on. And I said, okay, what is it? He said, if you ever want to double your income in any given year, whatever your field is, triple your investment in personal and professional development. That means hire coaches, attend conferences, join peer groups, uh, buy courses, and buy and read books. And I said to him, I said, so Robin, you're like, you know, this guru, this speaker. Do you hire coaches? He says, well, you're one of my coaches and I've got three other ones. I said, okay, wow, that's pretty cool. I said, do you attend conferences which you are a student in? He goes, all the time. I pay for them. And he said, and I'm also part of a peer group. And I buy courses and buy books and read them. And I thought, wow, that's pretty powerful stuff. It comes from a mindset of humility, right? Because the most dangerous thing I think in today's world is beware the charlatan marketer. These are the people that go out there and they talk a great game and they may look right. But at the end of the day, they don't deliver an ROI. Like you talk to them and people do their programs. They go, this guy was great. He was awesome. Then you ask him, well, what'd you actually get? Well, I learned this, I learned that. Okay, okay. but as a business investment, what'd you get? You put in 30 grand to get this guy's conference and coaching program? How much did you make back? And they don't have an answer. And the reason is there's so many charlatan marketers out there, so many influencer type charlatan marketers that go, oh yeah, go out there and put out videos and put out a podcast and write a book and all that's good stuff, don't get me wrong. But if it isn't done from a place of experience, from a place of you having gone through and really tightened up a message that you put out there to people, then you'll never get a return on it. And then those charlatan marketers, unfortunately, will have caused one other person to lose. So why I'm excited to have you here, Devin, and I asked your dad to bring you on the show today rather than just me interview him is because... I'm really interested in knowing what made a seven-year-old buy a house. And then once you bought that first house, tell me the story of what had you buy your second house. And now how many properties do you own on your own? I'd like you to just get into all
0: of that with me. If I may, uh, I have a sales class and every sales class I end with a one of my favorite quotes from Robin Sharma. Small inconsequential things done on a regular basis bring incredible like results.
2: results. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, love that. Just an amazing guy. Robin
2: Sharma is uh, a good man. He's definitely a good man. It's an honor to have been his coach and it's an honor to uh, have learned from him as well as teach him.
1: But back to you, Devin. So investing in real estate while I don't remember everything that went through my mind wanting to say I wanted to get started, a lot of it was I saw what my parents did, and I saw them buying a lot of real estate, and I saw what that got them. Uh, the house, the life, the not having to go to work every day, being able to stay home and play with me frequently. Uh, I got to see the fun things they had, and that a lot of other people had to work a lot more. And I decided I liked this a lot better. And I just never had any reason not to. And they never told me I couldn't. They're just, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, don't say I can't afford it. Say, how can I afford it? Instead of saying I can't do it, I just said, how can I do it? And then I just. Found out a way to do it and did it.
0: So we're doing those small things every day. And do properties just jump onto your balance sheet?
1: No, you have to work to buy them and then put them on. All right. How many properties do you own now? How many properties do you own now? I currently own 46 units.
2: 46 units. So, how did you go from your first to your second property? Walk us through that.
1: My second property I bought was just a mobile home. I, uh, the first one I bought, like I said, it had a nine year, uh, we paid it off in nine years, uh, but it didn't actually make much money. Uh, Uh, Generally, it broke even. And if it went vacant, that would not have been fun. So I decided I want something that would just make more cash flow. And I ended up buying up a mobile home that would just make me a couple hundred dollars a month for as long as I owned it.
2: You bought the mobile home. So now you're a you're a you're a mogul. You've got two properties. You don't just have one. It it wasn't just a fluke. You proved to yourself. I've got myself a real business. Walk me through buying the third property and the fourth and the fifth and then to the 10th. I want to see the progression of your thinking and the progression of your sophistication.
1: Well, the next property after I bought the mobile home was a duplex that needed a little bit of work in the one unit. Basically, the top unit went vacant um, and needed a bit of work. And the owner just said, I'm done. I went out. He called his friend that was his exit strategy. Uh, And that friend said, "Uh, well, I just sold out on my stuff too, but you should call the guy I sold it to, Eric. Uh, And then Eric, uh, I think you were going through a property or something and I happened to be with you. Uh, And I believe, if I remember correctly, you like picked up the phone, heard what he said and said, I'm working on something else, but you can talk to my son. And then he handed the phone to me. The conversation
0: started, hi, you don't know me, but you're buying my duplex. And he said, I said, okay, so that sounds good. Now, why would you say that? He said, because I'm a good friend of Lloyd's and Lloyd said, you just bought everything else he owned. And he was my exit strategy said that's wonderful, sir. I am actually going through another property right now here talk to my son said something to Devin about that's you awesome. want this you work it out
2: okay so that's how you got the third property and you negotiated that one all right fourth through tenth walk us through that whole process how you gained confidence and sophistication
1: well um I remember the exact order I was buying things in, but 4th through the 10th was uh, mostly buying a few more houses. A couple of them I did what's called subject to or subject to the existing financing. Basically, um, well, I'll, I'll go through one of them. I bought a house and uh, the person that owned it had a loan for about as much as the property was worth. Uh, just a bank loan. They bought it, uh, I think, around 2007-ish. So, top of the market. And then uh, they wanted to sell it now. Um, I don't remember exactly why, but they just wanted to sell it and be done. Um, but they wanted to, uh, and so they wanted to be done. But they had a loan for almost as much as the property was worth. So, how do we make that a good deal for me? For you, yeah. Uh, so what i ended up doing was i just bought the property and started making the mortgage payments to the bank so i just uh the loan's still in his name but i got the house and i'm paying for it and he doesn't have to worry about it ever again and i get a house and didn't have to uh get or i didn't have to get another loan
2: that's amazing so you're 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 just going through these by the time you hit 10 properties, right? You're close to 10 properties. Like walk me through your thinking. Like what were you what were you thinking about how this was gonna be? Like you own 10 properties now. That's a significant portfolio. How did you set yourself up to, to like own 46?
1: I I have always used like this is systems that are similar to my parents or the same ones as my parents, I have always hired a management company. Once again, I still don't have a driver's license. So it's not like I can go uh, show people a house to get them moved in or I can't go do work on my own. I have to hire people for this. Uh, And so a lot of setting up for owning 46 was just hiring people, Uh, having the system set up like I mentioned earlier, which I can use my parents because they had already built it. Why reinvent the wheel? And then also learning how to be more creative in buying properties, uh, getting better at buying properties so that I can buy more.
2: (laughs) So talk to me about your philosophy of how you go around buying properties. So you're saying I want to be, I, I got more creative at buying property so I can buy more. So fundamentally you believe you can buy more. The question is like Robert Kiyosaki, how can I afford it? Not, I can't afford it. How do you go about determining how you build your real estate portfolio? Like what is the underlying philosophy?
1: Generally just what's going to make money? What's going to cash flow? Is this going to, uh, like, we think about it as we buy, we're we buying a box that we can sit on a shelf. And if it spits $100 bills out every month, it's probably a good thing to invest in. And if I have to put $100 bills into it every month, then it's probably not a good thing.
2: So does this mean that you go look at properties that are geographically dispersed, or do you like focus in a particular area?
1: What's Within 40 around? minutes of my management company.
2: 40 minutes drive of your management company. Yep. And and how far away is your management company from where
0: you guys live?
1: It's very close. Uh, I think it's five or 10 minute drive.
0: Four in my sports car.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so... So Eric, I'm going to turn this question over to you. Why within 40 minutes, why not have a more geographically disperse uh, portfolio? Like I live in Toronto, nothing in Toronto cash flows right now. You're going to buy like the prices here are insane, like nothing cash flows here right now. So how would somebody like me living in Toronto be able to build a portfolio wow. similar to you uh, Devin
1: and you, Eric? In that case, let me take this to start and then you can finish it, Eric. Uh, If in that case, have a management company, because the important thing is having a good management company and the 40 minutes is because uh, if it's further away than that, then the management company that I'm using and I like and works for me. Uh, I believe they're only willing to manage the stuff within 40 minutes because they don't want to have someone driving for an hour or two hours and then driving that far back.
0: The fact that my son just answered my question shows you what my answer is. I have people for that. That is my underlying philosophy. Eliminate everything you can eliminate. Automate everything else and when you have to, hire somebody and delegate it. And when you hire someone, nobody cares about you. Give them what they want, and they will work for you longer. So we own a series of companies, and many of them have employees. We have subcontractors working mainly for our construction company. You find what they're willing to do. And the people doing showings frequently like to stay. They are really happy within a half an hour, and they might go up to an hour. But I found that if they're driving 40 minutes to get somewhere to show something, they tend to start losing interest once they get past 40 minutes, which means they're not excited when they get there. They might not show up early, turn the lights, make sure the toilet seats down and all the other things that I would like them to do that we wrote in a system. And then we rent less properties. And my goal is to take every box on my shelf and get it spinning out more $100 bills and not pay to own it and let it sit there. So the faster we can get stuff rented and the longer we can keep it rented and the happier we can keep the tenants, the more money we're going to make. And my goal is not to brag to you that I own this beautiful apartment complex. My goal is to get on a private airplane that I paid cash for and fly home. So figure out what you want. If you want to own property near you in Toronto, awesome. Make it easy. Own property near you. And by your own admission, you're not going to make any money with that. So go find a manager somewhere where you can make money. Find a way. Where can you rent property that actually cash flows? Our whole thing, everything our family teaches is based on financial freedom. If and when you become truly financially free, only then will you have real-time freedom. You don't have to trade 40 hours a week, 50 weeks a year for 40 years of your life for a paycheck so you can retire on half as much money as you made. You have freedom and you have location freedom. You've got the money to travel. You've got the time to travel. So financial freedom leads to time and location freedom. And if you buy a bunch of real estate, you said 10 is a significant portfolio. 10's barely a start. 10 is miserable. I would never own 10 properties again in my life. By the time you get to 30 to 50, then you can retire on it. And that's where a lot of people end up. They love to have 30 to 50 units because you can live comfortably on that, especially after all the mortgages are paid off. And I just figured if you can live comfortably on 50, then 500 has got to be better. So we went out and got 500. And... Now I think, well, five hundred is pretty cool. A new jet sounds like five thousand. Why not just take it up ten times from here? So I guess that's our next step.
2: I had a client of mine. Uh, his name's Victor Minash. Victor is a real estate investor, and he, um, I coached him for four years, and he was um, in my thought leader program for a year as well. When I started working with Victor, he did 10-unit deals. By the time we were finished, he was doing 10,000-unit deals. And my only regret is that I didn't jump onto that for myself. Because I love what I do. And I am world-class at it but man there is no question that it is not financial freedom there is no question it's not financial freedom can i grow it into a business that's doing 10 million a year yep and that is part of the plan going forward but i'm listening to the two of you and i'm thinking i got to find a way now to get into real estate quickly go from just owning my own home To owning a property, five properties, 10 properties, 50 properties, 100 properties, 500 properties, 1,000 properties. That's what's going to change the world for us.
0: I love real estate, but it's not the real estate. It is the benefits it brings me. The passive income is just one of three incredible benefits. The tax benefits are absolutely unbelievable. I can make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And not pay a penny in income tax because of the depreciation, which are phantom losses. I get to take it off my tax return, and I don't actually lose that money. It's just incredible. And you don't get a lot of it across the Midwest, which is where you're getting all your cash flow. But there is some appreciation. We've had wild appreciation compared to normal over the last two years here in Ohio. If you get into the bigger cities, Toronto, you're going to get a lot more appreciation. You just have to be very, very careful. You can handle the negative carry. You got to be able to pay the mortgage payment when you're not bringing in enough money or any money if it's vacant. And that's why I say 10 properties is miserable. Every real estate investor you've ever talked to, almost all of them that complain about tennis, trash and toilets, they do everything on their own which we teach everybody, hire a professional. You do not need to be doing 10 or $20 an hour labor if you wanna make a million dollars. And they don't have enough to make it work. If you have five units, and it's very likely two of them, maybe three are gonna go empty at the same time. If even one goes empty, it's unlikely you'll be able to pay your bills and if two out of five are empty and you have mortgages, you are definitely paying for the opportunity to own that business. So real estate is awesome and you have to scale it up. Set your goal on buying 10 units as quick as possible. I taught that to my children. I teach it to all my students. Just get started and immediately get to, get to 10 as fast as you can. And if you look, most of the people work with us, they own 10 or 20 in the first two years going through that fast, it really mitigates a lot of the risks because you're going to have bad move outs. You are going to have tenants that don't pay you. You're going to have problems. And with nine other properties to cover the bills, it can overcome that one that's bad this month. And then you get it fixed. And if you have a problem next month, you still have nine others to cover it. That's why I say get over 10 as quick as possible.
2: This has been a great interview. I'm definitely going to have both of you back. Uh and I want to just wrap up the conversation by asking you guys to share with us how do people get a hold of you, find out about your programs, enroll in your programs. Where do they go?
0: For anyone out there that's interested, if you think this is a cool story that we've done with our kids, Family Success Triangle is our best-selling book. Pick it up on Amazon, go to clearskytrainer.com is the best way, and just start out with a free newsletter. You want to know new ideas. If we've said something that piqued your interest, sign up with a free newsletter, and every Wednesday, we send out a newsletter. If you're more interested, we've got multiple levels of membership programs that you can get into for as little as under $20 and get weekly updates video updates you get all of the past newsletters from about the last year you can see when we're testifying to congress when we're promoting a new law to get passed and fighting against another one but we talk about all of our different businesses as well as real estate and all the different investments we have and we share this knowledge on an upgoing ongoing basis Because the way you buy real estate today is not at all the way you did in 2007 or 2010 or even three years ago. Some things always stay the same and yet the world is always changing. So weekly updates are incredible.
2: Now, we want to ask for your top three expert action steps. These are your three best pieces of advice for our listener. Bullet point form that you recommend they take on to take their life, their wealth to the next level. Devin, you go first.
1: First thing I always tell people, and I mentioned this earlier: be creative. So many people think inside of some imaginary box. Instead of thinking about being inside of a box or even outside of the box, just ign- just forget that the box exists. Or as my friend Bill Cook says, "What box?" Second. Take action. Like you said earlier, if if all you had to do was be creative, then every five-year-old would be a multimillionaire. You mentioned earlier that people take these courses and then just don't do anything with them. While sometimes that's not as much in the course, there's also the people that just buy courses, buy books, buy some of these great books, uh, like by Robert Kiyosaki, and then stick it on the shelf. That's not self-help, that's shelf-help. And third, keep learning, whether that's listening to your podcast, going to events, reading our books, like my parents' family success triangle or my book about how I got started. If I can do it, so can you. Uh, Signing up for newsletters and getting courses, whatever it is, but keep learning.
2: I love it. Those are awesome. We're going to make sure we put your book in the show notes, pal. That's really, really great. Eric. What about you? Three bullet point expert action steps.
0: Question everything. If what you knew were true, you would already be where you wanted to be. Think big and take action. And my favorite tagline, buy more faster.
2: Gentlemen, this was fun. This was awesome. Devin, you're awesome, dude. You're absolutely awesome. I think this is fun. Uh, to have you on the show you're a very impressive young man i learned a ton from you thank you for the opportunity to learn from you and and pick your brain and um i'm very proud of you man very very proud of you i know your father's very proud of you as well we spoke about this offline you raised a hell of a son uh, thank congratulations. you congratulations. and um you know i've got two boys 17 and 15 and uh I'd really like for them to, to meet you at some point, Devin, maybe we can set up a zoom sometime and you can have a chat with them. Uh, Absolutely. Oh, uh, boys. They uh, they're doing a lot of things right in their life, but this is one thing I want them to start paying attention to today.
1: And I've got one more thing for your listeners. Uh, I teach eight, all the way from eight to 24 year olds about business investing, how I got started, how they can get started. I have a free online group for any of them, a clear sky slash MIT. We
0: have a brand new website. The slash MIT doesn't work anymore, but there's a link to millionaires and training right at the top of the website.
2: Millionaires oh. in training. Okay, I like I like millionaires in training. Millionaires in training. That's good. That's that's really good.
1: Yeah. So we've got weekly meetings and a bunch of other things. Um, if you have them show up there, or I'm happy to just talk to them. Uh, you know, elsewhere. both
2: my boys are on are on sports teams. One plays double A hockey. I I don't know how much you guys know about hockey. It's a quintessentially <laughs> Canadian sport, but double A is a pretty big deal uh, here in Canada. My son's a goalie, the 15 year old, and my 17 year old is the captain of his soccer team. And, um, it's a very high level soccer team. And it'd be cool to speak to some of the kids on the team and get them on one of your, uh, training sessions, or maybe we can do something special for them in terms of what you've done. But I, I, I think this is, I think it's amazing. I think you're amazing. Um, you know, uh, we follow each other on uh, on Instagram, which I think is great. Eric, you and I are are in uh, communication and conversation uh, about potentially doing some things together uh, around thought leadership, and I definitely uh, want to take some time and do a deep dive into into all of this. Uh, it's it's important for me personally to do that. I think it's important for my listener to do that as well. God bless you both. Thanks for being on the show. It's a real honor to have you here. Thank
0: you for having us, Nicky.
2: And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guests, the duo of Eric and Devin Woolwind, go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or wherever you happen to listen to this episode, be it iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, Google Play, or what have you. Until next time.